Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Humility comes before honor. Humility comes before honor. The slave who dreams. Let's go to Genesis chapter 37. And we're going to begin reading in Genesis chapter 37. And I'm just going to read through several chapters. And we're just going to take it verse by verse as needed. When we're looking in the life of Joseph and seeing where humility was needed where maybe it wasn't exercised when it should have been exercised. And then what happens when Joseph humbles himself under the mighty hand of God? Genesis chapter 37, starting at verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. So Joseph, he's out and about with some of his brothers. In fact, if you go back and go back a few chapters, Genesis 35, you see that the sons of these two women are Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. So those are the guys that Joseph is hanging out with. Those are the four brothers that Joseph's with. And while Joseph is there, he brings up what the Bible tells us, an evil report, a bad report. He goes back to his dad and tells him what his brothers are doing that they shouldn't be doing. Verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So Joseph, he was loved, obviously, by his father more than, he, uh, than all the other brothers. And, and his father, it says that he was the son of his old age. Now, obviously, Joseph has a younger brother named Benjamin. Joseph, uh, Benjamin, it looks like that Benjamin is probably, is probably born about nine years after Joseph. So Joseph wasn't the youngest of all the brothers. Benjamin actually was. So when we see that he was the son of his old age, more than likely when Joseph's mother passes away, Joseph becomes like a caretaker to Jacob and, and keeps care of him and, and is very close to him, doing everything that he has need of, and, and they become very, very close. And in doing so, Joke, Jacob loves Joseph more than all his other brothers. Jacob, you know, that was a sin. Jacob showed favoritism, and we're not to show favoritism. Uh, we're not to... Um, 
guess everything's good over here on uh, TikTok. Someone's saying reload, but um, Jacob showed favoritism to Joseph, and he shouldn't have. And and Jacob made a display of his favoritism toward Joseph. He made a coat of many colors, not 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 a patchwork coat, but a coat of many colors, probably an extremely costly garment that was hand-sewn of many vibrant colors. And that was to represent that Joseph was chief and later would become heir of all that Jacob had through the birthright. In fact, if you go to 1 Chronicles chapter 5, you see where it recounts that Reuben, the firstborn who sinned against Jacob, his father, his birthright was taken from him and given to the sons of Joseph. So it's interesting. But Jacob Jacob did something he shouldn't have done. He played favorites. Anytime you play favorites, you're going to get in trouble. Anytime you play favorites with people, you're going to get in trouble. It's not going to be a good thing. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So first off, his brothers cannot stand Joseph because he's the favorite son. They can't stand Joseph because they, they they don't like that he's, you know, dad's favorite. He's got the special coat. He's gonna he it, which represents he's chief and heir. The the father considers him the best and the greatest. And now he has this dream. And they don't like they, they hate him even more. And so I guess Joseph couldn't pick up a cue. I guess Joseph could not pick up the cue in the room that his brothers hated him. But this is what happened, verse 6. So Joseph said to them, Please hear this dream I've dreamed. The, there, were, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, a sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. So he has this dream of all these stalks of grain out in the field, and his stalk stands upright, and all his brother's stalks bow down to his stalk. And they said, well, wait a minute, are you, are you implying that we're going to bow down to you and you're going to rule and reign over us? Well, obviously the dream was prophetic because you fast forward to Genesis chapter 45, 43, 44, 45, that encounter with those brothers coming to Egypt to get food back and forth, back and forth. And, and so obviously it's prophetic and it is true, but you have to ask yourself the question, did Joseph have to tell his brothers? Maybe Joseph could have just clammed up for a little bit. I mean, did he have to tell his brothers? Did he have to tell all of his brothers? <laughs> hey, you guys are going to bow down to me. Now notice what happens. Verse 9, Genesis 37, verse 9. Then he dreamed still another dream. And he told it to his brothers. So here comes the second dream. He has a second dream. The first one caused his brothers to hate him even more. So now he has a second dream. 
And what does he do? He tells them the second dream. You know, you have to ask yourself. It's not written. We don't see it. I've yet to see where it's plain scripture, black ink on white paper. To say that, you know, maybe Joseph was prideful at this point in time. But it makes you wonder. Why is Joseph sharing these dreams with his brothers if he knows he they don't like him because he's the favorite? And then it's one thing to share the first, but it's another to share the second. It didn't say, you know, they just didn't like the guy or couldn't stand to be around him. Like they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. So it makes you wonder, maybe Joseph was kind of riding on that fact that he's the father's favorite son. Maybe maybe he's kind of like, you know, going on, on, on with that, that, you know, I'm dad's favorite son and I've got the I've got the nice coat and I've got this dream, you know, who, who knows, who knows, who knows? Dr. Love says, perhaps he didn't know that his brothers hated him. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Hate so strong. I mean, they, and he's 17 when this takes place. So it's not like he's a kid. I mean, he's a young man. I don't know. Strange. Verse nine. Then he dreamed still another dream. And what did he do? He told it to his brothers and said, look, I've dreamed another dream. I've got another one of these dreams, guys. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So here's the second dream. I see the sun, the moon, and 11 stars, and they all bow down to me. Sun, moon, mother, father, 11 stars, 11 brothers. They all bow down to me. He tells this to his father and his brothers. The brothers become envious, and the father... Keeps it in mind. It's an interesting way it says that. The father keeps it in mind. Okay, so what happens? What happens with this slave who dreams? Verse 12. Then his brothers went to feed their flocks in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So here's another situation of favoritism. The brothers are out working. Joseph is with his dad. They're out in the field with the sheep. And shepherding sheep in this day and age, it may not be much different nowadays, but in this day and age, shepherding sheep is a hard job. A very hard job. Shepherding, shepherding sheep is a hard job. You're living out there. It's, a, it's where you're going. You probably, they may have some tents. They're living in the field. Uh, they, they have to carry in whatever food they want or either hunt it while they're there. They're staying waking up early, going to bed late. They're keeping watch over all the flock. They're keeping away, you know, lion and bear and wolf and coyote. And here's Joseph back at home with dad. Back with dad. Verse 14, then he said to them, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, What are you seeking? 
So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, They have departed from here, for I have heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. That's, that's, why, I'm, that's why I'm saying, you know, <laughs> it's probably how he didn't pick up and read on his brother's intentions. Because it's not, again, it's not like, um, you know, Joseph is really annoying me. He's so annoying. It's not that. It's like, how can we kill this guy? Let's murder him in cold blood. <laughs> Let's murder him. Verse 19. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Literally, this master of dreams, he's coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So Reuben, the oldest, says, don't, don't kill the guy. Just throw him in a pit. And he's thinking, you know, when everything cools over, I'll go back, get Joseph, and take him back home. Because his other brothers, these other brothers, they're, they're going to they're gonna do something they regret. Verse 23, so it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they cast down to eat, and they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a com company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite trailer, traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up, lifted him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it, and he said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all of his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I shall go down to the grave uh, into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard. I think it's interesting. Before we move on, I think it's really interesting. 
Whenever someone is guilty of sin, the words and languages that they'll use always creates as much distance from their wrongdoing as possible. When people sin, they use a language that removes them from their sin as much as possible. They talk in such a way that it will not incriminate them if possible. And what I mean by that is when these brothers conspire to sell their son their brother into slavery and then tell Jacob that you know they don't need, they don't they don't say that J- Joseph was killed they don't come up with the story they just take this tunic covered in goat's blood to their father and they say is this your son's tunic they don't say is this our brother's tunic because they've just sinned against their brother they've just wronged their brother No, is this your son's tunic? And then Jacob said, well, he must have been murdered by an animal. And he begins to weep and mourn for him. And then what do these scoundrels do? All his sons and daughters come to comfort him. These guys, they're trying to comfort their father who is mourning for what he thinks is a a dead son. Meanwhile, they know. He's not dead. They know Joseph's not dead. They know he's alive. They sold him into slavery. Now, someone asked over on TikTok, um, how much did Judas sell out Jesus for? It was 30 shekels of silver. 30 shekels of silver is the amount of money paid for the ransom or the purchase of a slave. So Jesus was purchased for that. 20 is what we see here. Now, if we jump to chapter 39... Genesis 39, we pick up where Joseph is once he makes it to Egypt. Genesis chapter 39, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Verse 3, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had put under his authority. So here we find the beginning of Joseph's path of humility. Here we find the beginning of Joseph becoming a humble man. It's hard to say if he was humble in his youth when he's 17. And a few years after that, here he is. He's, he's kind of riding out that. Uh, he, he's, he's living at this place of the favorite son, the petted son, the son that the father you know keeps back when the rest of the boys go out to work. He has the best coat. He's got dreams. He tells his brothers the dreams. But now he's been sold into slavery. And what happens? The Lord puts his hand on him. And in this, and Joseph is a successful man. It's very simple. It's very plain. When the Lord's hand is on your life, you're going to be successful. 
It's interesting. I actually did a podcast episode last year. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, check out the Faith for My Generation podcast. It's everywhere there are podcasts. Uh, TikTokers, you can hit the link tree on my account and you can go straight to the podcast. Subscribe. I'd appreciate it. Um, I did I, I did an episode last year called The Hand of the Lord. And Ezra uses that phrase. In the book of Ezra, Ezra uses that phrase several times, the hand of the Lord. The hand of the Lord was on me. The hand of the Lord was on me. Because the hand of the Lord was on me, the king gave me favor, King Cyrus. King Darius. The king gave me favor. The king gave me resources. The king sent us forth because the hand of the Lord was on me. The hand of the Lord was on Joseph. And when the hand of the Lord is on you, you're going to be successful. What you put your hands to will be blessed. What you commit yourself to do will prosper when the hand of the Lord is on you. Now, what's interesting is in verse three, it says the master saw that the Lord was with him. It should be visible. If the Lord is with you, people will see it. The blessing of the Lord on your life is visible. I want you to type this in the comments. Type, the blessing is visible. The blessing is visible. The blessing of the Lord is visible on your life to the point where other people will see it. Where other people will see it. I love this. Psalms 136. Or Psalms 126. Listen to this. Psalms 126. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. So Zion, Israelites, they were coming out of bondage and slavery. And it says we were like those, we were like we were living a dream. Verse 2. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the heathen, the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. And Psalms 126 is, is making the point that when the Israelites came out, uh, when they come out of bondage, when they come out of uh, uh, slavery, uh, the Egyptian bondage, that not just they rejoice of what God has done, but the nations around them say, surely what God has done for the Israelites, for the Hebrews, for the people of God is a great thing. And that's the very, very exact thing that should be said of you and I as believers. As Christians that bear the witness of Christ, that are infilled with the power of the Holy Ghost, that speak the word of God, the same thing will be said of you and me. The Lord has done great things for him. The Lord has done great things for you. The Lord has done great things for those that serve him. And the blessing is visible. The favor of God is visible. The, the power of God in someone's life bears fruit. It can be witnessed. Verse 4, Genesis 39. So Joseph found favor in his sight, favor in pot of her sight, and served him. Then he, Potiphar, made him, Joseph, overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So Joseph, now think about it. Put yourself in the place of Joseph. Joseph was a man of faith. 
he's received what we know of. It tells us in Genesis 37, verse 8, that his brothers hated him even more for his dreams, plural. But we only have read one at this point. So maybe there's other dreams that Joseph shares with his brothers that may not have been written down. We don't know. But we know for certain that there's two dreams that Joseph shares with his brothers. Both dreams are prophetic. Both dreams come to pass. Both dreams come to fruition. His brothers bow down before him. Now put yourself in Joseph's shoes. He's gotten these dreams from God. He was the favored son. And now he's a slave in a foreign nation. He's a slave in Egypt, serving in this officer, military officer, Egyptian officer's house. He's a slave. He's a young man who's got the rest of his life to live, and for all he knows, he'll live the rest of his life in this man's house as a slave. But the Lord was with him. And if the Lord was with him, everything he was doing was prospering, and he got favor with Potiphar. And, and even though everything he's doing is prospering, everything he, he does is blessed, and he has favor with, with Potiphar, it says he served him. Joseph submitted himself to service. That's humility. Joseph found himself in a place that none of us would want to be in. And what did he do? He made the most of it. He submitted to the scenario he was in, the situation he was in, and he honored Potiphar. You know, that's tough, but he did it. He humbled himself. He served Potiphar. And because he was a good servant, because he was honorable to Potiphar, because he humbled himself and served Potiphar and his house well, Potiphar makes him the overseer of the entire estate. The entire estate. All of Potiphar's property, his whole household, all its goods, all the other servants that's in Potiphar's house, which Potiphar must have been a very wealthy man because Joseph is, is the overseer of everyone. So I've said it before. If you're, if you're going to be a slave, be the head slave. If you're going to be a servant in another man's house, be the overseeing servant. And that's what humility will do to you. And humility will cause you to rise to the top. We read 1 Peter 5, verse 6, 5 and 6 yesterday. I'm going to read James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When you humble yourself, a grace comes on you. And what we see in verse or 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. What happened? What does that grace do in your life? 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. 
For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So Joseph humbles himself in the house of Potiphar, and in a period of time, he goes from just being the new guy, the new servant, the new slave that's been brought into Potiphar's house to now being over the entire estate and property. Now, a test comes. The book of James tell us, tells us, what was that, James chapter 1, count it all joy. James 1 verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance, perseverance. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, mature, and complete, lacking nothing. So Joseph humbles himself, then a test comes. Genesis 39 Verse 5, so it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and the field. Then, thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. <laughs> Genesis 39, 5 and 6 show us that the blessing that was on Joseph came on Potiphar's house. Potiphar's house was blessed because Joseph was blessed. That should be the testimony of every Christian, of every believer. Wherever I'm at, I am blessed and what I'm a part of is being blessed. If you're a student, your class, your school should be blessed because you're there. As a member of a church, your church should be blessed because you're there. When you're on the job, your business should be blessed because you're there. If you're the only Christian, the only believer in your family, your family should be blessed because you're part of it. In a marriage, maybe unequal, maybe you didn't start off, you know, as a Christian, but you become to Jesus after you're married and you're unequally yoked. That unbelieving spouse, 1 Peter 3 tells us, should be blessed because of the believing spouse and hopefully will win that unbelieving spouse to the Lord. The blessing that is on you is powerful enough that it should impact everything you touch and everything you're a part of. Our cities are blessed because the blessing's on us. It's amazing. A lot of the, the trolls that are trolling pretty hard on TikTok at the moment, which, by the way, I don't moderate anything I do, regardless of what anyone comments. I'm just glad that you're here and listening, regardless of how silly they may be. But the reality is, and so you'll love this, a nation that has a large mass of true on-fire believers, that nation is richly blessed. But when Christianity, I'm talking about not dead religion, but true relationship with the living God, when, when, when those people, when the believing body, if it is shrinks, 
if people fall away to the lust of this world and fall away because of the fear of man, and there's a lesser mass, a smaller group of Christians in a nation, that nation's not as blessed. But when a nation has many people that commit their lives to the Lord and live for Christ, the nation itself gets blessed because of their on their behalf. That's what happened with Joseph. Now it says this, Genesis 39 verse 6, the back half of that verse, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Now I can't guarantee that if you humble yourself, you'll be handsome and good looking, but it certainly will help. <laughs> it certainly will help. Verse 7, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. So here comes Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife is checking out Joseph. Joseph look is looking good. He's looking good. And Potiphar's wife just comes straight up to, jo to Joseph. Hey, I want you to go to bed with me. Now, what does Joseph say? Joseph could think, well, you know what? I know Potiphar's schedule. I know when he's gone. After all, I've run this whole house. Potiphar doesn't even know what he owns now. All he knows, because it says all Potiphar knew he had of was what was set before him to eat. He, he, took, he took no control over any of the affairs of the house because Joseph managed it so well. He gave Joseph complete control. And all that Potiphar knew was, hey, dinner's ready. So Joseph, you know, I work hard. I work hard. I make this whole property run. I manage everything. Potiphar just shows up. I'm, I make everything go uh, like it should. And now his wife wants me. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. I mean, after all, I'm taking care of everything. Everything I touch is blessed. That's what he could have thought. But what did he think? What did he think? Verse 8. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. In other words, my master doesn't even know what all the all the house is what is what's all going on in the house. He doesn't know anything of the affairs of the house other than that we're blessed and everything is going well. I take care of it. I have complete responsibility. Verse nine There is no one greater in this house than me. I'm in charge of the whole thing nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife how then i can i do this great wickedness listen how can i do this great wickedness and sin against god joseph didn't say how can i do this great wickedness and sin against potiphar he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Psalms 51 is a psalm of repentance. After David repented, when Nathan the prophet came to him and revealed what he thought was his hidden sin of murdering Uriah and committing adultery with Bathsheba, David repents when the word of the Lord by the prophet comes to him. And he writes down Psalm 51. Notice what he says in Psalm 51. It says this in verse 3, For I acknowledge my transgressions 
and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. David's making the point in Psalm 51. Lord, it's you alone I've sinned against. Now you might think, well, wait a minute. He sinned against Uriah. He murdered him, which he did. He sinned against Bathsheba because he committed adultery, which he did. He sinned against himself. He sinned against his nation because he did it as a king and whatever leaders do, it always affects the nation and, and who they're leading. You know, a, a husband and a father, which is the leader of a home, when a husband and father commit sin, it not only damages him, it damages his wife and his children. When the CEO of a company commits sin and is destructive, it damages the company. When a pastor falls to temptation and sin, it ought not just damages him and his calling and his reputation, it damages his church and the people that he is a shepherd over. It costs too much to sin. It costs too much to sin. I want you to type that in the comments. It cost too much to sin. It cost too much to sin. It cost too much to sin. And that's what jo Joseph's saying. Look, how am I going to sin against God? Joseph was humble. Joseph knew that the reason he was where he was was because the hand of the Lord was on his life. And God favored him and blessed him. And he knew the only thing that Potiphar not given him was his wife. And he certainly is not going to steal his wife from him. Because in doing so, it would be wickedness, it would be sin, not just against Potiphar, against God. Because at the root of all sin, it is a transgression. It is a sin towards other people. But at the very depth of it, it's a sin against God because you break the law of God. Now, in just a few moments, we're going to pray. And you might think, well, AJ, I've sinned and it costs me a whole lot. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Sin costs you everything. But the good news is Jesus Christ died on the cross. And he paid the debt for the sins of the world so that whoever would believe on him as the risen son of God and confess him Lord should not perish but have everlasting life. So you stick with me for a few more minutes so that you can pray that prayer of salvation and receive cleansing for your sins so that you can be made brand new so that you can receive eternal life that not only begins when you breathe your last breath and enter into heaven, but it begins right now on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Let's keep going. Verse 10. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. 
But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, fled outside, that she called to the men of her house, spoke to them saying, she ha- see, he has brought into the house brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, Then the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to mock me. And so it happened when I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. And so it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison, whatever they did there. And it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So here Joseph, he's doing the right thing. Day by day, Potiphar's wife is trying to seduce him and trying to bring him into submission to her will, but rather Joseph will not bow. What is humility? We mentioned this yesterday. Humility is the absolute surrender to God's will. Joseph was walking in humility. Joseph would not lie down with another man's wife. Which here's the thing, the Ten Commandments that would be handed down from the hand and mouth of God have yet to be written. Yet, that law is written, it seems to be, on Joseph's heart. Joseph didn't have that commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, yet he honored that law of God because he honored the Lord. Here's the thing, when you submit your heart to God, you and you yield to the Lord by His Spirit, you'll understand what's right and wrong. You won't have to make excuses for what you do. You won't have to make excuses for what you do. Ads or death says, trust women, listen to women. Not if it's Potiphar's wife. She was a liar and a hussy. <laughs> Politely said, she was a liar. Who do you trust? Trust honest people. (laughs) Man or woman, trust honest people. Are there lying men? Yeah. Are there lying women? Yep. Who do you trust? (laughs) The honest ones. (laughs) And so Joseph gets cast into prison for something he didn't do. You know, they say in prison, there's everyone in prison is innocent, right? Joseph actually was. Joseph actually was innocent. Yet here he is when he goes to prison. What happens? The favor of the Lord's on him 
and he gets favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The Lord showed him mercy. I want you to type mercy. Type mercy in the comments. Type mercy in the comments. Ads or death, I didn't address anything else you said because it wouldn't have been a good joke. <laughs> mercy. That's right, Miss Sarah. I see. <laughs> mercy. Dr. Love literally took that statement. Mercy in the comments. <laughs> mercy. The Lord gave him mercy. And because the favor of the Lord was on Joseph, he's in prison and he's running the prison. That's what humility will, will, will take you. That's Humility will take you from being a prisoner to running the prison. Now, Joseph is still a prisoner, but he's the warden and a prisoner at the same time. He runs the prison even though he is in the prison. Humility will cause you to be lifted up when you are humble and you are low. Remember Matthew eleven twenty nine. Come unto me and I'll teach you. This is Jesus speaking. For I am lowly and meek. I am meek and I, I'm lowly and I am meek. Jesus walked a life of humility. And when you humble yourself, God will see you fit to be raised up and exalted. Now, we'll finish up here in just a few minutes. But what we have is Joseph enters into this new ministry. Joseph 40, or Joseph 40, Genesis chapter 40. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker, the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream, in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. So Joseph, then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine there were three branches, and it was as though it budded as blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them in the Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head, restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you. Please show kindness to me and make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also I have done nothing here that they should put me into this dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, 
He said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there was three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up his head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So we see here this beginning of this interpretation. Well, I say beginning of interpretation of this ministry of dreams, but really Joseph began interpreting dreams in Genesis 37 when he has his two dreams that he interprets himself. You know, God speaks to people in dreams. The book of Joel chapter 2 tells us of what will take place, has been taking place, since the Holy Ghost came down like rain and like fire in Acts chapter 2, baptizing believers with power since that day, Joel 2's being fulfilled and continues to be fulfilled. Joel chapter 2 verse 28 says this, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And also on my maidservants and on my men servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God bless you, Petey. Glad to have you on. Since Acts chapter 2 to this day and continuing, the Holy Spirit is being poured out on those who have faith to receive Him and be baptized in His power and in His fire. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we can see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's nine different gifts of the Holy Spirit that operate in the believer. You know, the, 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 the big $3 doctrinal word is cessationism. I am not a cessationist, meaning I do not believe that the work of the Holy Spirit ceased when the apostles died or whatever time other cessationists say. I would be what they call a continuous or also known as I believe the Bible. <laughs> I believe the Bible. And the Bible tells us that in these last days, Old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions, and on the servants of the Lord he will pour out his spirit. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I believe and boldly proclaim that the work of the Holy Spirit, it is yet today as it was in the book of Acts. And what's amazing is we're in Genesis, and there's an interpretation of dreams coming, coming to pass coming to pass. Ibanez says, why does God need us to have faith? Faith is the language of God. God actually tells you why you have to have faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please God for you must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you don't have faith, you can't have yourself attached to God. 
So Joseph, he's interpreting this dream, but notice what he says. When he comes into the, the prison cell that day and he sees the chief baker and the chief butler, they're sad. Like, not just like sad, like vi- visibly, physically downcast to where Joseph's like, what you guys so sad for? Maybe they're crying. Maybe they're weeping. I don't know. They have these dreams and they say, notice this. It's interesting. Ancient Egypt was steeped in witchcraft. The Egypt that we read about in the Bible was filled with witchcraft. We see it in the book of Exodus. The magicians, you know, we hear magician, we think like a guy with card tricks and pulling rabbits out of hats and sawing a lady in half and different things like that. You know, classic magician stuff. So that word doesn't really lend itself very strong to us nowadays. But these soothsayers, these astrologers, these sign seekers, these people, they worked demonic works by the power of Satan. And that was going on largely in Egypt. This is why in Egypt, a lot of the commenters on TikTok love this. This is why in Egypt, you have in Egypt around all this pagan worship of these Egyptian gods. Guess what you have? Men dressing up like women. Oh, does that sound familiar? (laughs) TikTok, if I'm not back on tomorrow and I've been banned for seven days as it's happened before, make sure before you get off today, hit the link tree, subscribe to the YouTube channels so that you can watch us on YouTube. (laughs) Around all that pagan worship in Egypt and all that witchcraft in Egypt and all that wickedness in Egypt was extreme sexual perversions it's not you're transphobic i'm not afraid of i'm not afraid of man hebrews chapter 13 verse 6 you can't be afraid of man and have faith in god he's so afraid hebrews 13 verse 6 so we may boldly say the lord is my helper i will not fear what can man do to me i want to see people set free from this demonic power that is rearing its wicked head in my generation. And so Egypt was steeped in mysticism and witchcraft and in amongst all that idolatry and worship, it's not just Egypt. Any time there is demonic worship, it is surrounded by sexual perversions. It's historical. Not like just like plain Jane historians chronologicalize these happenings. That's not even a word, chronologicalize. (laughs) I just made that one up. Just like secular historians make note that wherever there is worship of idolatrous systems, there's always, it's always steeped in sexual perversions. And so what we're seeing today Especially in my nation, we got people watching from all over, especially in my nation, United States of America, it is idolatrous and it is completely surrounded with sexual perversions. I say all that because the the chief butler and the chief baker, they're sad not because they had a dream. They're sad because they don't have an interpreter. 
In other words, they expect an interpretation of their dream. They lived in a culture to where when they dreamed a dream, they expected, they thought, I need to go to the guy who can interpret dreams. And what does Joseph say? Well, you're, you're sad because you dreamt the dream, but you don't have an interpreter. There's no need to be sad. Do interpretations not belong to God? He's saying, look, why are you sad? Well, we dreamt a dream. We don't have an interpreter. And Joseph replies to him, hey, interpretations belong to God. And in fact, I'm going to look that up. Genesis 30 is Genesis 40. What is that verse? Nine. To God. Elohim. Elohim. Joseph is proclaiming the one true God. He's saying, look, why why are you sad? Interpretations of dreams belong to the God that I serve. They belong to Jehovah Elohim, God the creator. And so then he interprets the dreams. But the chief butler did not fulfill his word. He went back on his word and he forgot Joseph. So what happens? We're finishing up and this is the last chapter here. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream and behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine looking and fat. If you got a cow, you want it fat. And they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came out of them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows of the bank of the river. The ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows, so Pharaoh woke. So Pharaoh goes back to sleep. He has a second dream. The second dream, he sees seven heads of grain. They're plump. They're, they're good stalks. But then seven thin heads that are blown by the wind sprang up after them. And the thin, wind-blown heads of grain eat, devour the plump, strong stalks. And so he has this dream. So Pharaoh then, when he wakes up, his spirit's troubled because of these two dreams he has. And he goes to his magicians, these guys I was talking about just a few minutes ago, and his wise men. They can't tell him anything. They have no interpretation for the dream. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh saying, wait a minute, you know what? Oh, that just, you know, light bulb just went off. You know what? There's actually a guy in prison and his name's Joseph. I was supposed to tell you about him a long time ago. And I just remembered. Oh, darn. (laughs) Meanwhile, Joseph's like, well, what's going on? Someone let me out of here. Well, he's running in the jail. But he's probably thinking every day, that butler, that stinking butler. (laughs) Oh, That's right. There's a guy. The whole reason I'm back at the hand of Pharaoh is because of this guy named Joseph. So it says, verse 10, when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief butler, Baker, we each had a dream. Joseph interpreted it and he told him. So it says in verse 14 of Genesis 41, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him out quickly out of the dungeon They shaved him, changed his clothes, and came to Pharaoh. Hey, that's a good point for some people. Some people nowadays should know that. When you're going to go into public and you're going to go to a place 
of position or power or authority? Are you going to stand before someone who can do things for you? You should shave and change your clothes. You walk out in public nowadays and you think like, what were you thinking? Did you get dressed in the dark? Do you own a comb? It's one thing like for guys, if you want to grow a beard, fine, trim the thing. You don't have to look like you've been locked in a cave for seven months. If, if you're going to go before the CEO of a company, if you're going before the mayor or, the, or the, a congressman or, or a president, if you're going to go somewhere, change your clothes, shave, put on some deodorant, brush your teeth. <laughs> that, that's a word from somebody. Hallelujah. That's a word. Hinkle McGrinkleberry says, go look in the mirror before you run your mouth. As said from the guy who has a fake profile picture on tickety tack. All right. Genesis 41 verse 15. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. Notice Pharaoh said, I've heard you're the man who can interpret dreams, Joseph. What does Joseph reply to him? So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So here's Joseph. Joseph starts off being the, the petted boy. The petted boy. He starts off being the, the, the boy that stays back while everybody else goes to work. He, he's the favorite child. He's the one that has the coat of many colors. He's the one that's bragging about his dreams. He's now become a servant, then a prisoner, and now he's going before Pharaoh. And he could have the opportunity to begin to gloat, right? He could gloat at that point. But then he says, nah, this ability that you're talking about, it's not within me, it's from God. He gives all praise and glory to the Lord. When he's in this foreign nation, among these idol worshipers, he exalts God. Now think about that. He exalts God, not himself. When you have the opportunity, always exalt God, not yourself. Exalt God, not yourself. That would be good for you to type in the comments as we finish up today. Exalt God, not yourself. Exalt God, not yourself. When you give exaltation and worship and glory and honor and lift up the Lord, then He'll lift you up. But if you go in exalting yourself, pride, you'll be quickly humbled. And that's what Joseph did. Now, if you want to continue to read the story, it goes all the way until chapter 50. But just in real brief passing, what happens? Joseph interprets the two dreams. He tells the Pharaoh, both dreams mean the same thing. There's going to be seven good years in Egypt. We're going to have more 
abundance will have more than we have ever need of. But there'll be seven years after those years that will be very bad and a famine will come. And he tells Pharaoh, now notice, he tells Pharaoh, he says, what I would suggest you to do is to set over everything a man filled with wisdom. Get, give, put someone in place, put someone in place that can do exactly what I tell you to do, which is during those good years to set aside 20% of everything that comes through. 20%, not all of it, not 80%. You know, it's amazing how much a little saving over time will do. And he told him, he said that, set aside one-fifth of everything that comes through in those seven good years so that in the seven bad years, you already have enough set aside, enough provision set aside to withstand to last those seven bad years. And Joseph doesn't, he's in prison. Joseph doesn't say, Pharaoh, I'm the man for the job. He just says, Pharaoh, this is what you should do. Get somebody that you can trust that will do this. In verse 37 of chapter 41, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this as a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. So here Joseph is again. Joseph is exalted. He exalted God. He showed, he gave forth godly wisdom. He shared godly wisdom and mercy. This was very merciful of the Lord toward Egypt. These weren't, these weren't God's people. They weren't even living for him. They hadn't put their faith and trust in him. Yet the Lord makes provision for that whole nation because of Joseph. And because Joseph's family, you know the story if you don't go read it, Joseph's family would eventually come to him. His brothers that sold him into slavery they would eventually bow down as in the dream he saw. But Joseph would restore their relationship. He would bring all their family to Egypt and his father Jacob would see Joseph again. And they would live out their days in Egypt. And in fact, when Jacob passes away, his brothers think, you know what, now that Jacob's gone, Joseph's probably going to kill us now that dad's dead. And so they come begging for mercy. And what does Joseph tell them? Genesis 50, verse 19, Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. And Joseph's saying, Look, what you meant for evil, God turned that situation around for good. And so in this series, Humility Comes Before Honor, what we can learn in great detail from the life of Joseph is this. Even when people treat you wrong, walk in humility. Even when people do things to you that they shouldn't do, walk in humility. Even when people say things to you they shouldn't say. When people are mean and harmful and hurtful, Walk in humility. Walk in humility. 
And what will happen? The very things that are done towards you in evil, God will turn them around. God will turn those situations around. God will bring what was evil and turn it for your good when you humble yourself. And in due time, God will exalt you. In Jesus' name. Hey, I'm thankful for everyone that's been watching and listening today and commenting along on all the platforms. Thankful for you. If you've been watching and listening and you think, you know what? I want favor in my life like Joseph had. There's one way you get favor in your life. There is but one way that you can have the favor of God in your life so that everything you do is blessed. And that's by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you believe in your heart, as the Bible says, that Jesus Christ is the risen Son of God, and you say with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord, you shall be saved. What happens when you put your faith in Jesus? Who you are dies to sell yourself. That old man, he dies. He's buried in the grave with Christ, and you're made a brand new creation. Every old, shameful, sinful thing is washed away by the blood of Christ, and you're made pure. You're made clean and you're made brand new. You're adopted into the family of God. You're made an heir of God through Christ Jesus. And all that is in the inheritance of salvation is promised to you and you receive it by faith. If you have never confessed Jesus, Lord of your life, or at some point in time you did, but you know you're not right with God, today is the day to put your faith in Jesus and be saved. Today is the day to recommit your life to Christ. How do you do that? It's as simple as you putting your faith in Jesus. And you can do that by praying this prayer of repentance and prayer of salvation. If you're watching now during the live stream or you're watching on the replay, I want you to pray this prayer with me if you desire to be saved. Saved from what? The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that the wages, the paycheck for the work of sin is death. Eternal death, separation from God in a real place called hell. In hell, there is no mercy. There is but weeping and gnashing of teeth. For all of eternity, suffering. But the Bible tells us the free gift of God is eternal life. The Bible tells us God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you will put your faith in Christ, you can be washed clean made brand new, and the Bible tells us that your name will be written down in the book that God has called the Lamb's Book of Life. And at the end of your days, he will open up his book and he will see your name and you will come into heaven. If you want to pray that prayer, now is your time. Let's pray. Pray this prayer with me if you want to receive salvation and be saved. Pray this prayer with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I repent of my sins. I ask for forgiveness of what I have done, which I know is wrong. 
Lord, cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the risen Son of God. And I confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I commit to you all the days of my life. Thank you for dying for me to make me brand new. Father, I ask that all the days of my life I will live for you. By your power, I'll do that very thing. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you confess Jesus, Lord of your life, I want you to put an emoji hand up in the comment section. If you're watching on the replay, comment in there. On YouTube, Facebook, in the description, there will be a link after this is finished to where you can click on and go fill out a form. We want to bless you. We want to be connected with you and help you become a strong Christian. TikTok, if you prayed that prayer, put your hand up in the comment section. I'm talking about you prayed it today. Not at some point in your life. You prayed that prayer today. You've received Jesus as Lord. Or you've recommitted your life. If you prayed that prayer, TikTok, go to my link tree on my bio. There's a tab that says, I just got saved. Click on it. Fill out the form. And I'm going to send you something that will richly bless you and help you grow in your faith in Jesus. Facebook, YouTube, it'll be on there as well. You can also go to, in fact, I know what I'm going to do instead of talking about it. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, on Twitter, if you'll give me about 17 seconds, I can put it, I'll put the link in the chat. Someone's using the old noodle now. Look at there. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, the link is in the chat. If you prayed that prayer, go click the link. TikTok, it's in the link tree on my bio. Hey, I'm thankful for you. For the next several weeks, unless something changes otherwise, for the next several weeks, we will be live streaming every Wednesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. Every Wednesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, every platform we can get a hold of, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Wednesday and Thursday. Make sure you follow, you subscribe, you like, you share. Make sure you come back and join us. Next week, we're going to continue this series, Humility Comes Before Honor. And next week, we're going to look at the general who hides and the boy who fights. You probably, maybe you have an idea who that might be. If not, think on it. And we'll see you next week. So before we leave, let me pray for everyone. In Jesus' name, Father, I come before you, Lord, and I'm thankful for everyone that's watching and listening today, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, anyone that's watching or listening that have yet to put their faith in Christ, that by the convicting work of the Holy Spirit and the seeds of your eternal word that, word that are being sown, that it would bring them to a place of conviction and that they will hear, trust, and believe and put their faith in Christ. Lord, I pray for every single person that's watching and listening that is a believer, that is a Christian. Lord, empower us more. Give us more anointing. 
more grace, God, to do exactly what you've tasked us to do, which is to be a witness and a light in a dark world. In Jesus' mighty name, if you believe it, type amen. And I will see you next Wednesday on the live stream. Of course, we live stream Sunday morning service, 1030 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Wednesday night Bible study, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're watching on the platforms and you're anywhere in the upstate of Lawrence, South Carolina, during those times, Sunday or Wednesday, come see us in person. You'll come be my special guest. I'll take you out for lunch afterwards. I'd love to have you come join us. But until then, you can check us out online. Make sure you like, subscribe, and we'll catch you next week. Thankful for you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.